What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Pardon the Disruption. We are going to have an amazing show for you today. We are fired up over here in the green room. First and foremost, I wanted to introduce myself. I'm Matthew Potter, your esteemed host for the day. I'm your short sale expert, um, also your hedge fund connection, and co-owner of the Real Family Tree, powered by Real Brokerage. Go ahead and hit me up on that for some more details. For those that are just joining us for the first time, we super, super appreciate having you here. I'm going to give you a rundown of how we do this around here. There will be six total questions. Five of them are pre-selected. One coming from our studio audience, so feel free to go ahead and message us at 33777 and preface that with question, and yours will be featured today. Each person, each one of our guests, with the exception of Eric, will be getting 45 seconds to go ahead and answer each question. And then there will be two minutes that we are going to go ahead and chop it up afterwards, and a point will be awarded at my sole discretion, or I'll go ahead and take it to the audience. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and introduce our wonderful panel that is uh, with us today. We're going to start off with Steve Trang. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am super excited for the show. If the energy in the green room is anything like this episode, it is going to be out of control. Uh, I've been doing business coming up for 16 years now. I've seen almost anything and everything that can happen inside this industry. Uh, I am excited for also our upcoming event on March 31st and April 1st, salesdisruptors.com. We have a live in-person sales training. Hope you guys can check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And next, coming from the local McDonald's in York, Pennsylvania, we have Eric Brewer. uh, If you ever need a side job, you could uh, do the voiceovers for Aquaman. Go ahead and clear your throat a little bit there, dude. Um, Yeah, my name's Eric Brewer. I'm a real estate investor um, out of Pennsylvania, currently not at McDonald's. I'm in my office with Windows, uh, unlike our host. Um, uh, I've been known, I think, in like my 10th session now. So I've got some scar tissue as a real estate investor, um, actively doing about 350 deals a year and uh, have some coaching clients. And uh, I'm blessed to be part of this crew that gets together once a week and uh, has fun at each other's expense. So I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and looking forward to a good show. Absolutely. And Steve, thanks for reminding me in the chat that Eric is negative five points already. (laughs) Next up, we have Leon G. Barnes. Go ahead and talk to us, boss. What's up, everyone? Leon G. Barnes, not R.J. Bates the third. Get well soon, my friend. Apparently, according to R.J., he has COVID-23. He's got that upgraded version of it, so he's working on that. Get well soon, my friend. Uh, with I'm the director of membership of the Collective Genius, uh, real estate investor, and uh, all things information, according to the crew. Looking forward to today's show. Awesome, Leon. And yes, absolutely. We're looking forward to RJ getting over his hangnail. Last but not least, we have CJ. Talk to us, boss. Chris Jefferson, Richmond VA, Chargeship University. Uh, always fun to be here. Uh, shout out to the guys, man. It's going to be a fun day. Everybody's energy is up. Uh, Powder's voice is elevated as well today, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and, uh, and looking forward to it. <laughs> Let's rock and roll. Did you call it Potter or Powder? Which one was that? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. It might be interchangeable. All right. So Leon's minus one point. <laughs> All right. We're going to go ahead and dive right on into it with our first question. I'm really excited for this one because I want to get all y'all's input on it. How do you see Americans drowning in credit card 
debt affecting real estate? Steve, start us off. You know, this question sounds familiar. I think uh, I think Chris and, and Leon might have brought it up a couple of episodes back. Um, but, you know, as far as affecting real estate, I don't really foresee it affecting real estate that much. Uh, as far as I understand, debt-to-income ratios, they use the minimum payment for calculations. And because they're using the minimum payment for calculations, I mean, 100 bucks that's going to affect you maybe $15,000 in what you can purchase, right? So I don't – it's – I think at, at the end of the day, people, if they need a place to live, when they need a place to live, they're going to find a place to live. I don't really see this putting too much downward pressure on real estate. I'm more concerned about question number five affecting real estate than this one. Ooh, precursor. I like it. I like it. All right, Eric, we know that you have no opinion on this one, so go ahead and lay it on us. <laughs> Your hole's getting deeper and deeper, dude. Um, I, I, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's, we can all speculate and, and, um, you know, try and guess at, at how this could potentially affect real estate. I mean, the right way to approach it is how has it historically affected real estate, right? Like there should be a pattern. There's some type of trend that once Americans reach a certain amount of credit card debt, and I think the one thing we're not talking about is maybe income, right? Like it, it all has to be taken into context. Your debt in comparison to the amount of money you make um, is the real testament, right? You could have $200,000 worth of debt. If you make $2 million a year, it's a minuscule amount of debt. So I think the proper thing to do before we make any assumptions about this or any other type of economic trend is go back and look at historically um, how that particular piece of information has impacted real estate. And you can probably rely on the future being in part a lot like what we've seen in the past. So that's a vote for history will repeat itself. Got it. Uh, Leon, what you got? I think we discussed this a couple weeks ago that short term, I don't necessarily see it affecting us currently. Uh, interest rates obviously affected uh, this market uh, just not even a year ago now, but almost a year ago is where we saw the biggest impact overnight. But I think from a short term perspective, I don't think we're, we're, we're seeing this. If you look at delinquencies and credit card debt, they're both up post-COVID, and they both trickle, They have both gone down during COVID. To Eric's point, it's hard for us to speculate this, but I think from a long term, if I'm a landlord, uh, I'm someone that's selling you know, that mid-tier property, something that's above affordable, below luxury, then I'm, I'm looking at the tea leaves and the potential trickle down of credit scores and uh, things of, along those lines that would affect me as a landlord and or a home builder or someone that is fixing and flipping straight to retail. So I think from a long-term perspective, there is some potential to go down from this. Perfect. Right on, right under there. All right, CJ, what you got for us? Yeah, I think it has, uh, you know, I don't want to say really significant potential long-term impact, but I definitely think there's some there just in terms of uh, people's totality in terms of their credit, right? You know, when we get into an environment where, employment starts to rise where we see where job loss is starting to occur in terms of layoffs and things of that nature. I think it really becomes a squeeze on people's, you know, I think Eric or Steve said it, their debt to income when it comes to the sustainability not to buy a home, but once they're already in a home in order to maintain the property uh, in terms of, you know, their mortgage payment, things of that nature. So I think it could have some impact. I don't think we've seen it yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know that we'll see it either in the immediate future, uh, but I do think to keep an eye on it and have some awareness around for sure chop it up nothing i, I think we are a opinion. little bit uh steve just to the point of what cj just said in regards to you know 
scores and delinquencies, debt to income ratios. I'm starting to see it a little bit on the renter side as we're taking in uh, property management um, in-house for the very first time. I'm starting to see that a little bit more as I have more in, uh, involvement in it. Um, again, I don't see it you know, immediately affecting us, but you're starting to see some signs of credit scores and, and debt to income ratios um, having some effects on just the tenant, the, the type of tenant that we're getting. Yeah. yeah, actually, I was talking to uh, uh, Matt right before the show, and um, you know, we're looking at he, you know because he's working with hedge funds, the way they project rent, right, is they they say they say this is what we think rent's going to be like at, at, in this period of time, and we're wondering if part of the way they're projecting rent because they're projecting rent to go have a downward pressure is because they're expecting uh, between inflation and affordability and uh, and credit card <laughs> debt being at a certain limit that they're all projecting rents to go down, which it has. Rent's been going down. In the Phoenix market for the last twelve months. Yeah, and a reason I brought this up the other week, just a bigger question about how much debt people have taken on in the last twenty-four months. Uh, the ease of credit and access to it in the last twenty-four months has been, you know, you could walk into the bank if you've got a solid credit score, you could get a loan pretty easily. I, I don't think it was year. because of the ease of credit, though. I think it's because everyone got used to, you know, being paid to stay at home. Right. I think there was so much free money out there, not even the line of credit. There was so much free money out there in COVID relief and then advancing people the child credit. Right. Like all these things that were done were teaching people a certain behavior. But there was always a deadline to it. But once you get accustomed to a certain lifestyle, it's hard to cut back. Well, that's and, and my go- point. Right. Like when people were at home for the first you know, two years of COVID. Right. We were in a situation where people had, could take on more. Experience. You could buy more stuff on Amazon. You could buy more courses. You could do this and do that because you didn't have the normal day-to-day expenses that came with, uh, you know, having to be on the go, right, on a daily basis as we, you know, used to be normally. Now we've yeah. started to really kind of get back to that. People's expenses are starting to elevate again, and then they're going to have compressed pressure. Uh, they get, you know, job loss in the market if the economy starts to get uh, even more pressure than it's getting right now. Can they sustain? those minimum payment or not, right? And the, I think the effect on the housing market uh, is ultimately people are going to take the, the hit on their credit first. It comes to a credit card instead of not paying their mortgage, they're going to try to get there. But eventually these things all start to merge into to, to one thing it becomes really problematic. Yep. Part of that individually, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Something that we need to keep an eye on. De- definitely. Um Appreciate everyone's insight on that. I love that Steve tried to pull favor with me on that one by throwing out our previous conversation. Um, not going to lie, it did work. So we're going to go ahead and give that round to Steve. Um, Appreciate that. All right. Next up, uh, how would you react if your leadership team or someone similar ousted you from your company, a la Steve Jobs 1985? Steve, start us off. Well, first and foremost, I would be incredibly mortified. I mean, like I – no, I don't convey a lot of feelings, don't show I have feelings, but I do genuinely care about the people around me. And if they decide that I am not fit to run the company, and one of the things I hang my hat on is my leadership skills, I would be just absolutely devastated if that occurred. With that said, I would just move on, right? I might burn the building down, but I would move on and start another business and move on. You know, it might take me a month or two or three to recuperate, but then I'll just start all over. I, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't dwell on it for like a long period of time. I would just rebuild, kind of like Steve Jobs did. 
Fair. All right. I like it. The forgive and forget. Not even necessarily forgive. Just more forget. Um. All right, Eric. What about you? What are your thoughts, boss? It's very thought provoking, right? I think uh, I appreciate Steve's transparency that I think we'd like to say that we wouldn't care. We would somehow be extremely resilient. But um, <clears throat> in an organization, mine and Steve's and, uh, you know, the, the way that Apple was built is that it was built on our backs of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, so there's part of me that would be extremely upset, um, probably embarrassed, but in the reality, it turned out to probably be a good decision at the time. And I would imagine, and I would hope that I put enough of the right people around me that somehow my judgment was clouded and thank goodness I had the right people in the right seats at my company. And they made the decision to oust me because I didn't belong here anymore. Um, so yeah, it'd be upsetting, but I think there would be some satisfaction in the fact that they probably made the right decision. Um, so it's easy to say probably from the sidelines when it would happen and if it would happen, it might come out a different way, but sitting here on the sidelines, imagining what if I'd like to think that that's how I'd respond. Nice. Nice. All right, Eric. Um, Leon, what are your thoughts? I agree with the two of them when it comes to being ousted, obviously, if it's a baby and you built it from the beginning, um, that it would be a struggle um, to have your team, you know, kick you out of the business, your baby that you built. Um, but I'm going to flip it a little bit in regards to what I hear from investors on a daily basis, which is they want to, how do I get to a level where I'm working on the business instead of in the business? And I would, I would argue that, you know, Steve, and others that have been ousted as CEOs once they have big corporate takeovers or what have you, that they probably stayed in that role too long, right? Everyone wants to scale and scale means something different to everyone, but everyone that's listening to this, that's wanting to scale the business, you should have an exit plan. That doesn't mean that you leave business necessarily, but that means that you scale into something else. Eric's a great example of this. I have watched him empower his team so he can work on giving back and doing the things that he loves to do. Those are the type of things that you should be working on. One could argue that Steve stayed too long in his business and probably deserved, and to Eric's point, at the time, it was the right move. Very insightful there. I like that. Okay. All right. CJ, what you got for us on this one, boss? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually piggyback along the thoughts of, of Leon because, yeah, I think you're devastated. I mean, when you become an entrepreneur and you start to build something, I mean, this is like your thing. I mean, you do it uh, starting from the bottom with 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 nothing in hand other than, you know, yourself and your mind. But I also think in business and in life, when you talk about scalability, when you talk about a business as big as Apple or any, or any business that's big enough to have, you know, a true board of directors, a true CEO, uh, they become operations within themselves that become much bigger than the owner. Uh, or the founder. And so I think when you're in a, a situation where you've got leadership and sound leadership that you place around you that steps to you and, and, and makes the point that, you know, maybe the business in terms of scalability and size has exceeded your level of knowledge or design, depending on what type of business you're in. Right. I think that's one of the flaws of Apple is that, uh, you know, Steve Jobs limitation at that point in time uh, may have been his eye for design or creativity that some other people could have brought some different leadership the table to lead the company to that next era so does it suck would it hurt i mean yeah i'd probably cry like a baby if it if it happened but um again i think once a business becomes its own entity within itself outside of its founder i think it's you know to everybody's benefit to, to run it you know accordingly for sure chop it up 
Yeah, I think one thing that we talk about, we talked about in the past, right? Like it goes mission, then company, then in, then individual. And in this case here, like the individual, it doesn't matter if you're the founder, right? If you're the leader, it's irrelevant. If company cannot fulfill its mission with you in the way, you got to go. If you if you found if you fund or found rather a company big enough or that, that becomes large enough, right? And, and and none of us have been able to get there yet. I don't think, right? But when you've got a business that can fully function without your involvement on a day-to-day operational basis, uh, and you as a founder, you're leading the vision of that company that you know the company's trying to fulfill. Uh, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that somebody could get capped out on that uh, based on what the original mission might have been. Especially when you're talking about over the long term, right? These are companies that have been around for, I mean, how long has Apple been around? Four years or something like that, right? Something insane something like, like that. that. Um, you know, economies change, uh, consumer needs change, you know, things ultimately change. And if you don't have the vision to see that through, uh, then I think change has to happen. Uh, but that doesn't mean as, as the founder of it, it doesn't suck. I don't know if y'all have seen the Uber series on Hulu, right? That talks about, uh, the founder of Hulu, I mean, founder of Hulu, the founder of Uber on how he eventually became ousted, uh, you know, from Uber because it became something bigger than itself. There was a lot of outside capital involved in different things uh, that then has to be managed. And, you know, I definitely think it'd be a tough situation. Yeah. I mean, and let's face it, uh, everyone that is an entrepreneur, you know, most of us get a three to five year itch want to do something else. And quite frankly, like most big companies, the, the it goes back to all the letter of the Peter principle, you know, certain leaders can get you to a certain point uh, and then to continue to grow and scale, especially at the level of Uber and Apple, you sometimes have to bring in other people to take it to the next level. Most times you have to bring in other people to take it to the next level. So I would, especially if we're talking about real estate investing businesses, those that are listening to this and watching this, you should always have a growth plan because in, in order for you to keep absolute stars on your team, you have to be able to level, bring them up with you. And so as they're coming up with you, who's, you know, whose position is, are they going to take? You should be looking to hire people that can eventually replace you one day. That means the companies continue to grow and scale and everybody has vision and opportunity. Yeah. I think one of the things that Eric coaches on is, is actually a succession, right? So there's something you want to add about, on top of that? Because I think that's a great point, Leon. I, I would just say from a Oh, that was a great point. Oh, he's successful. Completely <laughs> <laughs> different than we've been accustomed to is biking, grunting, and just random shots that he takes people to get votes. Um, if you listen to the depth of these answers, it's clear that there's, like Meek Mill says, there's levels to this shit. And uh, you can right and tell with RJ not being cognitive ability on this panel as well above the media. <laughs> um, so a little unrelated. Just wanted to point that out. I felt the timing was right. But yeah, I think the end of the day, like, when you make the decision to leave, it's completely different. When when as the question is framed is when you're right, it was a violent takeover. It's always going to be rough. But I think the plan should be um always to build a <laughs> that can be sold. And by the time it gets to a place to where it's able to be sold, you probably want to sell it because it's relatively automated and profitable and can run without your interaction. So uh, the plan should be whether you're starting today in your first business, you just opened an LLC, or you've been doing it for 15 years, should be to exit the business. 
Um, absolutely love that Meek Mill made it into this conversation right now. The mic drop, I, Matt. You're right. Like, I, I he, can't. I can't uh, he was it. listing all of the things um, that were admirable around, uh, about Potter. So that was. Yeah, I think the guys yeah. can't hear you, Matt. I'm good. I'm running off of 18. I'm running off of iPhone right now. There it is. There it is. There you go. Steve, yeah, you want to read the third question? Uh, yeah. Let's see. I, I'm curious because uh, Matt's Matt was talking, we but yeah, for whatever oh, reason, you, you guys remember the metaverse, right? So whatever Microsoft that is, was, <laughs> Microsoft was acquired Activision, and then uh, a couple weeks ago, we found out like Congress was like trying to put a kibosh on this merger. I was like, that merger was last year. What the heck happened, right? And so that was where this question came from. And then um, you know, it's interesting. Like in our market, uh, we have CB Richard Ellis CBRE. And it was basically the two largest commercial brokerages merged. And now they're the biggest by far, and they gobbled up a, a ton of market share. But, yeah, I would say, you know, for us, right, if someone, if the top two merged, it wouldn't affect us because we would just keep doing our thing, right? It wouldn't, like, we're not worried about what the competition is doing. We're just worried about what we're doing. Thanks for the, the the metaverse reference there, Steve. Yeah, really we need that. Some much needed color to the commentary. Um, <laughs> or just how Microsoft and Activision. Thank goodness you were able to bring that context because prior to that, it was, you know, Leon wanted to make sure it got recorded and it was live. Um, I wanted someone to come punch me in my face while you were talking about Activision and the metaverse. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, no one punched me in my face and I had to listen to everything you said. Well, we got a month. We got a week and a half. I'm, I'm happy to deliver these uh, requested <laughs> services. Uh, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> All right. Can everybody hear me now? Yes. We can, unfortunately. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so good news is last question uh, prior to this one, CJ won. So we're going to go ahead and get that point up on the board for him. Um, this last question, I didn't hear any of it because we were fiddling with the audio. So by default, um, clearly Eric's not going to win. Um, so I don't know. We'll just chop up the other point to everybody else, I guess, and get on to Eric had a pretty good answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, I did. I did hear Eric's, I did hear Eric's answer and, you know, I've been giving him a rash of shit today and rightfully so. Somebody's in their feelings. Somebody's in their bag. Somebody's Anyways, um, so I'm going to give that one to Eric, and then I'm going to toss it over to Steve. He's going to go ahead and give you a word from our sponsors. <laughs> All right. So uh, with uh, capital thinning in today's market, it is crucial for real estate investors to be able to build relationships with reliable lenders to access the capital that they need. This is where Kiavi comes in. Whether you're flipping houses or investing in rental properties, Kiavi offers fast approvals, high leverage, and reliable capital to close more deals in any market environment. Through their easy online process and dedicated support, you can access the flexible loan options that can help you scale your business confidently. Go to kiavi.com slash real estate disruptors to learn more and download your pre-qual letter in minutes. Terms and conditions do apply. Please see kiavi.com for further details about potential loan options. And uh, definitely with Kiavi, it's always been a good experience. And, you know, when everyone was freaking out <laughs> uh, with the rate hikes, they were always there uh, to lend as necessary absolutely thank god steve is back reading that and we did not have to hear rj's rendition again um <laughs> ne next up um how honest do you think people portray real estate investing across social media channels just to clarify i did give that last round to eric brewer since you know we're 
you know, both bald brothers and both were down on the internet going on today. So Brew Crew, start us out. What's your thoughts? Um, I would say it's generally horrible. We cannot have this on this channel. From from the outside (laughs) looking in, what did I miss? What happened there? You said they're a bunch uh, of liars and you got canceled. (laughs) Basically, that's kind of what I said, though, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) I think externally from the outside looking in, people outside of real estate investing generally look at, you know, influencers and investors and there's a sleazy sort of kind of feeling to it. And I think it's been earned to, to be quite honest. Um, and then internally, I think there's a, a general group of people, much of which are on this call that do a lot of business and we do good business and we, we influence people in a positive direction, um, you know, where the, the same sort of visibility is, is accomplished by people and they do it what I would consider to be the wrong way. Um, and that's just a personal preference, but I would say generally real estate investors are right up there with like dentists and used car salesmen, right? It's like you shake their hand and you kind of double check to make sure that your wallet's still there. Um, and it's up to us to kind of break through that barrier and prove people wrong. But until then, I think rightfully so, the public generally has a scummy sort of perception of what we do. Used car salesman. Um, Next up, Leon, what, what are your thoughts on this one, boss? Yeah, this has uh, increased significantly over the last three years as more millionaires were, were made, I think, in real estate investing uh, than any other time with you know the run-up of COVID and uh, lack of inventory and hedge funds buying. It had a, a bit of a perfect storm. Um, you know, it's interesting now that things have gotten hard. What I'm continuing to hear from that same investor is I want to get into coaching, right? Because they see it as, or I want to get into influencing. And, you know, I I would just, uh, for anybody that's watching this, um, that is considering hiring someone to help them with the business, I would just get stats, get information from them of what, do they have a model that is sustainable, reoccurring revenue from a actual real estate investing business. Uh, I can speak for my CG and my partner disruption brothers that, you know, for those that are out there, like the Eric, the Chris, the, the RJ, the Steve, you know, they're doing legit business uh, and it's unfortunate, but I, I would argue that this is, there's other industries that have the same thing. Um, attorneys feel the same way about those that are chasing ambulances. We have them as well, obviously. Um, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but there are some, the good thing is we have some good people out there that are spreading good word and actually doing the business. And we've got a good number of them represented on this show. Absolutely. Uh, Steve used to always say this, show me the HUDs, show me the HUDs. (laughs) CJ, what are your thoughts, boss? I think real estate in terms of the internet, man, and, and honesty is a very interesting topic, right? Um, look, let's, let's face it this way. Real estate's like a sexy business. It always has been since as far back as I can remember, I was born in 86, as far back as I can remember, real estate was the sexy business. If you were in real estate, I mean, this is how Donald Trump got popular. Some of these other, you know, high flying developers and stuff like that. And I think there's an awareness inside of the real estate industry, especially in the educator space where people play on this perceived, uh, 
sexiness, you know, or thought process that people have about this glamorous business that you can get into and make untold riches and have mansions and Ferraris and you'll be a millionaire in 30 days and all these different things. And I think this is a hard ass business, man. I tell people all the time, I think this is a business that uh, you really got to be prepared for, not just physically, but I think mentally more importantly. Uh, and I don't know that that's talked about enough across the board. I think it should be more of a conversation really in terms of my greatest lessons in this business have all come from losses I've taken in the business. Uh, that's how you, you fail forward and you learn from your mistakes. But everybody kind of portrays this, you know, everything's perfect. The business is perfect. Uh, you know, never lost money on a deal, never had a legal issue, you know, this and the third. And uh, I don't I don't know that that's a, a great thing for the industry. I think that's why we're dealing with a lot of people looking to regulate. So, you know, those are my, my, my two cents on that for sure. Very, very nice dive there. Steve, that's where the buzzer was. Okay. I mean, that was a great five minute. Hey, uh, I need monologue. you to calm down over there. Negative four points. All right, Steve, <laughs> talk to us. What, what, what are your thoughts? Just trying to carry you guys, man. I didn't know if your mics and stuff. <laughs> you know, I, would, I think I have a different opinion on this. I think that this is like the best I've seen it because I think it was started really shoddy, right? Like it, we went from the infomercials at three o'clock in the morning social media and everyone saying the same exact message right it was just an updated message but it was pretty much the same message get into this business there's no it doesn't you don't need any money you can start today right and they're just showing either cashier's checks or actual cash or a bundle of cash using it as a phone i think it's a lot better today it's not great but it's gotten a lot better than it was before uh i think you know the the we don't have the shiny prince boots anymore we don't is it have better many... does it just look different right <clears throat> i think there's more people talking about their deals right you look at like eric's post right he's talking about like you know here's an innovation deal that someone did uh you look at pace's post right he's just sharing his deals i think there's just uh, rj right all his everything is freaking this is rj every freaking post this is rj so like we're seeing actual examples of real deals being done so i think it's gotten significantly better. Is does it have room to improve? A hundred percent, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as it was even three years ago, five years ago. But Steve, you're talking about specifically. You're talking about the the people that represent the industry. In my opinion, at the highest level and the most honest level to the question, mm -hmm. we're not talking about all of the you know newbies within the last one to three years that got into this business that are show, showing checks that we all know that just because a check says 20 grand that doesn't mean that 20 grand profit right so <laughs> you know that's introducing you know that element over the last three years is specifically what we're talking to um and i will say um you know like to to chris's point this business is tough it really is but it's no tougher than anything with execution and focus, you can do it. But it, unfortunately, sometimes when you see those $20,000 checks and I didn't have to do anything for it, it can be very misleading. But shout out to Ron Legrand. You were talking about people that uh, had the late night infomercials and, and, and things like that. I know a lot of people that got their start from Ron, Legrand, Ron Legrand and Carlton Sheets that have done very well in this business. And the same thing goes for influencers today. There are a lot of people that will make a lot of money uh, because of some of the influencers that they're following. I, I agree with that. More what I mean too is when people have this exterior perception, I think like Eric was talking about of what real estate is, what it looks like, you know, you got people that get into the business all the time and in their mind, the concept of losing money doesn't exist, right? You have, you know, people that, you know, go and pick up investments. They're not 
fully educated on what that should look like because maybe it was presented to them in a manner in which it was super simple to get done. I think that's a danger zone for sure that, that, that we should probably address more in the future for sure. Did Eric compare dentists to car sales guys? Well, dentist tells you something's wrong with your teeth, man. It's your teeth. You know, you, you, I know what he's talking about, man. You're like, right, I got to pay. Whatever. Enlighten me. I, I have never heard this comparison before. It's from a consumer reports article um, that rated um, consumer experiences. And there was like literally dentist was the worst thing. No one ever wants to go to the dentist. Number two was buy a used car. Number three was buy or sell a home. So they talked about the least desirable consumer experiences. It was a, a article from Consumer Reports a few years ago. So that's where that's fascinating. Uh, well, I've never heard that. I, I, I mean, that's I can tell you anytime you put a drill in someone's mouth, that's not going to be a favorable experience, <laughs> nor should you score high. Leave me a five star review <laughs> on the way out. Smoke. <laughs> that's smoke coming out of my mouth. That's the it's a thankless job. Uh, it is not a thankless job. I know several dentists that do very well for themselves. Um, <clears throat> on that one, I'm going to go ahead and give that one to CJ. Main reason why is he touched on uh, – everybody did. Um, but Let's CJ really five minutes. took it a little bit deeper with the <laughs> look. <laughs> Calm down, y'all. Um, he, he took it deeper with the look. It's not, it's not sexy. There's losses. There's big losses. There's a lot of people, I think, that honestly, we probably even know from the last year, two years, they're probably not even in the game anymore. So I really like that, uh, you know, you went down that rabbit hole. Um, next up. Both of you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, we, we heard his answer. You could have just voted for him. You didn't have to restate his hey. five-minute response. <laughs> okay. Negative five points for Eric again. All right. Number five. But with this Walmart. Point, what's it matter? With Walmart, Amazon, and other big retailers announcing permanent store closures, how concerned should we be about this economy? CJ, start us off. I feel like it's really hard to say at the moment. I I think there's pause for concern. I just don't know that we know how concerned to be yet. And and what I mean by that is we've seen explosive growth in the last three to five years uh, in terms of the economy, in terms of, uh, you know, consumer spending, retail stores, you know, things of that nature. And I think a lot of that's resetting. I think a lot of that growth uh, or, you know, in terms of stores and, and things like that are starting to reset. Uh, and that could be a good, it could be a bad thing. So I don't have a full opinion. I think as far as is it bad right now, I think that it is. I don't think the data shows that it is. Uh, but as with everything, I think we're kind of in the middle road of this economic cycle at the moment. And I, and I, and I think that there's been so many variables. Uh, everybody's having a hard time landing the plane on exactly where this thing is going to go. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on this one? I know this is a question that you definitely wanted to dive in on. Well, it's not that so much I want to dive in on. I just I, I think it's a big cause for concern. I think that, you know, credit card debt, it is, I think, just people's behavior. They're not getting used to, you know, how things have changed, right? Like we had big changes uh, and they're not ready to reset their behavior. Store is closing. I mean, I think this is where, you know, the feds have been wanting to basically put a giant freeze on the economy cause a recession, force a recession so that we can slow down demand and it's happening. And this is what we've talked about on the show for months now is like, they keep raising the, the rate. They could just pause and just see what happens. And so now this is the beginning of seeing the effect of raising the rates. Now we got maybe six or seven more rates to have it kind of play through the cycle. And so what actually happens in 2024. So I think this is the beginning 
of, of uh, us actually feeling the pain, the country suffering like the Fed wants. And I, I think this is where I say 2023, I think it's going to be just fine for real estate, but I'm concerned about 2024. Okay. Looking a little into the future there. I like it. All right. Eric, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I'm anxious to hear Steve explain to us how those stores will open up shortly in the metaverse. Um, so stay tuned. Um, I'm sure when we chop it up here at the break, he'll tell us all about that. Literally a year ago, he told me it was the next thing. He was packing up shop and uh, he was going to, you know, trade everything in for a few NFTs and move to the metaverse and it was going to change yep. his life. Uh, yep. Craziest thing I've ever heard. But turns out it didn't work out. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, I, I think when you, when you look at this stuff like credit card debt and Walmarts and stores closing, when you look at any isolated piece of information, it's easy to get distracted. We've seen a lot change with like online retail. We've seen a ton change with brick and mortar offices. We've seen a ton change um, with the way people buy and sell products, right? Like you don't even walk into Walmart anymore to buy a Sony PlayStation. You're probably going to buy it on the secondary market from someone that's flipping it. Like literally anything that has any type of demand today is being flipped. So it could be an isolated piece of information that we blow out of proportion and say it's the economy and all this other stuff. I'd want to take a step back and see how it fits into the, the, the greater context of what's going on. And I would say anytime a door closes, another one opens. Certainly there's an opportunity that's created as a result of these big box retailers closing down stores. It's going to push that opportunity, that commerce, that money um, somewhere else. And the goal should be to figure out not why it happened, but where the new opportunity is. Absolutely. Probably in the metaverse. Um, Leon, what are your thoughts on this one? Concern, of course. I mean, this is different from what we've seen over the last three years. But guys, this is... <laughs> This is recalibration. We were, were living in an unrealistic world for the last three years. We thought that COVID was going to kind of level things out, and it actually was rocket fuel uh, to the economy um, as well as the, the, the on, on the real estate side. So, uh, you know, I would proceed with caution. Uh, we have this conversation quite often when it comes to luxury builders and luxury flippers. Uh, mid-tier builders, those type of things when it comes to the real estate world. Uh, I would definitely proceed with caution, but it's recalibration. We, we've had an unbelievable run um, and it continues. Uh, it, it continued all the way into last year. So I would just proceed with caution. I, CJ has said this before. There are three things that people have to have, food, water, and shelter. We happen to be in the shelter business. To Eric's point, Find that lane that fits your business best, proceed with caution, and focus on growing that particular lane that makes sense. There's always a solution when there's a problem. So, Leon, I just want to go on the record. Leon did not answer the question, even though he's the most informed. I said out of the gates, we should be concerned and proceed with caution. You not, you are not listening, Steve. <laughs> about the economy, you, not us. This the, is not the first the, time Steve has not listened. <laughs> You are the active listening coach on this call. Listen, I got I'm some I got some real estate on the metaverse I'd like to wholesale to you guys. God. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> no we're not we're not gonna dive any deeper on this one. We're just gonna leave it alone. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing, we're talking about the stores closing, but really the impact here is not really the stores closing, it's all the employees. Right? How many employees are gonna be displaced and you know uh, what they're gonna be doing. As far as jobs, the jobs markets, the jobs reports are always consistently good. So they'll probably just go get another job just fine. 
But these are the things that we're looking at. Is not about the stores closing in particular, right? Because that doesn't really affect things as much as the people losing their jobs. That is the things that will affect demand, and we'll see how that plays out in the economy. Okay, oh, we're taking it. We're taking the short, the uh, short version on that one. I like it. Um, just because Eric gave Steve a rash of shit about the metaverse, like I'm gonna have to give Eric that one. Like, what? I, I have to. I'm sorry. Like what? I, I look. He need. He just needs that point. I'm sorry. I I have to. Um. And by the way, I'm actually not apologizing for that. Uh, that was absolutely epic. Um. Last question coming from you know. I mean, I'm slightly biased, but probably one of the smartest people on the planet, my wife. Um, what was the hardest decision you've taken as a leader, and what helped you to prompt the best course of action? Go ahead and start us off, Eric. True. Yeah. What was the hardest part? What's the question again? What was the hardest what, part or decision you had to make as a leader? What was the hardest decision you've had to take as a leader, and then what helped you to prompt the best course of action? Um, okay. I, I would say the hardest part was, um, for me to fire myself in my business. Um, after my business grew beyond, I don't know, probably eight or 10 employees, um, my ability to be able to be a good salesperson and a good marketer was no longer valuable to the company anymore. The company needed a leader and needed a competent manager. Um, they need someone that was actively recruiting and, um, it was difficult, right? To hire a COO in, in my business and start to turn over the day-to-day -day decisions that had for 15 years um, really become part of my fiber. Um, and it was like this big thing I thought was going to be a relief because everybody that gets into business talks about this day that they could step aside. And my reality was when I stepped aside, I drifted into like this mild state of depression because making those decisions and as much as I complained about it, being in the middle of chaos was fulfilling to me. Um, so I slowly had to learn how to gain fulfillment from, you know, doing other things in the business that were quite frankly long overdue, but I wasn't willing to make the change as a person to, to be that person and be that type of leader. And um, for me, I'd leaned into quite frankly, collective genius. I was fortunate to be, you know, surrounded by a bunch of other people that have either were going through the same path or, you know, had, had been through it. And um, I implemented EOS about six years ago, and that was the thing that slowly started to educate me on um, the historically correct way to run a business and lead people. And it's, it's been everything to, you know, where I've gotten today. That's, uh, dude, I'm not going to lie, that's actually gold. Like, I know I love to bust your chops, but that's gold. I, I appreciate that right there. Leon, what are your, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this uh, two-part question? So the, the hardest decisions, typically as a leader, everyone on this um, show today has done it. Um, it's letting go of human beings. Um, you know, there's whether it's layoffs because your business, the market shifted and you needed to do that. I know Eric and I had that conversation um, when that happened, uh, when the market shifted, every business had to recalibrate. Going back to what we were just talking about with Walmart and all these other companies, you know, closing stores or recalibrating based upon their goals and, and where the market is today. Um, those are super hard decisions, even when getting rid of employees that are not meeting KPIs um, and, you know, consistently doing the job that you've hired them to do. 
that's a really tough decision to make. But on the other side, generally, when you make those decisions to CJ's point earlier, you're doing what's best for the business and not necessarily what's best for one individual. So those are the hardest, a sneaky second um, that is, you know, a less, you know, I guess from a standpoint of personal and emotional is quite frankly, is just delegating some of the day-to-day tasks that we all think as leaders that we are the only ones that can do them at a high level. Sometimes those are the hardest decisions to make in your business of letting go, especially as you grow and scale as a real estate investor. So the first is always letting go of human beings. And the second would be just replacing yourself to, to Eric's point on even some of the most minute little things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that. I do like that. CJ, what are your thoughts? Artist decision. Uh, I actually shared this when I did Steve's uh, podcast back in 2020. Uh, I'll never forget the day still. Uh, I was at a point in business where things weren't going the way that I needed them to or wanted them to. And uh, was just really frustrated about uh, my lack of progress uh, in, in not just management, but but scaling at the, that time. This was in 2017. Uh, there was somebody in the same office building as me that had a consulting business that I had heard about from other small business owners in town. And uh, I just walked into their office. Uh, the lady who was one of the owners was on the phone. I sat down at her desk in tears. Uh, she asked me how she could help me. And I told her that I felt that I got my business to the highest extent of my ability at the time. And I just simply needed some help. And I heard that they could uh, could offer some help. Uh, to date, this has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, not having enough pride to sit down in front of somebody and simply ask for some help. And uh, a lot of things that I'm doing and have done since 2017 have been a direct result of that relationship and just going to seeking some guidance. So uh, it was a hard decision to put my pride to the side at the time, but uh, it's been, it's paid out tenfold. Yes, definitely. Steve, what about you? I'm going to feel really tough to follow all these, all these answers. I would say number one for sure by far was deciding to partner with Eric Brewer on a project. That was definitely the worst, most difficult decision I ever made. Um, (laughs) But then following up after that, uh, was, you know, last year, you know, I've, I've shared a lot, right? Like, you know, we had to make a decision on what expenses we were going to cut. And I know the consensus, not the consensus, but the overall majority says, you know, you got to let people go, you know? And I, I, I made the decision to not let people go at the expense, you know, of, of, of revenue, right? Because we had to cut back marketing to keep everybody. But for me, you know, I didn't, it was not as important to me to make money in 2022 as it was to make sure I had all the right people or when things shifted in 2023 so that we could, you know, take over massive market share with the right people. Cause finding people is so freaking hard, you know? So for me, I made a conscious decision to not try to make profit, right? Not lose money, but not focus on profit, but to keep the people so that when things change, I will have the best team in the Phoenix market. So that was a tough decision because that was not the popular decision. Did we lose Matt again? You got you guys gonna yeah. chop you guys gonna chop it up at all? There goes Eric. Oh, we didn't lose mark. him. He's there. Yep, there um, he is. <laughs> yeah. I wanna uh, add to what what CJ said there. Man, that's I commend you for that, my friend. Uh, to be able to say that, you know, I feel like I've gotten to a certain point and, and to ask for help. We as entrepreneurs don't don't do that often enough. That's why communities like ours have been around for almost thirteen years now. Um, is, you know, collective genius people come into this organization 
to be around other like-minded individuals because like to Eric's point earlier, he had gotten everywhere, everything he had ever dreamed of into a CEO level and then realized that he no longer had day-to-day -day duties and importance in the business as much as he did, you know, the, just the day before. And, and being around people and having the ability to say, instead of banging your chest and saying, I'm great, and saying, I have, I need some help here. And can you help me through those things? This, the focus of all of these type of hard decisions, one thing that we say a lot in CG is we try to focus on where the puck is going and not where it is today. And sometimes the hardest decisions are making decisions so you can make the best decisions for the business long term. Yeah, this is a great question by Nicole. And I think that, you know, it's got slightly different answers, but I think these are all, you know, for everyone that's listening, something to look forward to, right? Because you're going to face one of these challenges and hopefully, you know, you've, you've got, you're more prepared for it than we were when we ran into the situation. Uh, there was a question in the audience about um, Eric's outfit. Matt, you want to read it? Yeah, no, we, we're going with a special uh, a bonus question here. Um, always love when we have an interactive uh, audience. Question number seven, does anyone know why is Brewer wearing a hospital gown? What's, what's interesting is when I, for me, you know, and I'm probably I'm the youngest guy on the panel, but when I first saw it, I thought it was a, a piece of uh, Blue School's memorabilia, and I thought that <laughs> uh, he had, he had, uh, it was just like he went to like one of those gift shops, man, at Nickelodeon. He <laughs> got that classic Blue School's man. Just just because they don't sell it at Ross, no need for, for you to, to hate. Uh, the thread count. The thread count on this thing is ten times anything you guys have ever seen. <laughs> it's Egyptian cotton. Just over overcompensating, I think. Look, we got through. We had Henri Eric to start in the green room, and you guys, we didn't have him the entire show. Now you're going to try to bring out Henri Eric. Come on. I wanted. I wanted to see the Hulk come out. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, look. Those were all very, very great in-depth answers. Uh, I love, I love all of you guys for sharing that. Um, that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and pull a card, and you know, RJ can talk some trash next week when he's back from you know his ingrown toenail. We're gonna go ahead and take it to the audience. Audience has voted CJ. CJ has finally broken his 13-week consecutive <laughs> losing streak. Um, we're gonna go ahead and go ahead and get give this one to CJ. He, he earned it today, you know. He, he did so you know we're, we're very happy for him to be back on you know team win but um that being said thank you everybody for joining us today it was a blast um you know all you know all kidding aside eric we absolutely love your threads they're amazing um that being said we're gonna go ahead and uh sign off here cj start us off as the winner what you got Chris Jefferson, Richmond VA, man, startflippingdeals.com. It's Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern. I'll see you guys on the webinar if you're going to be there. Peace. Absolutely, absolutely. Steve, go ahead and send us off, boss. Yeah, you know, I was really hoping to get a little more of a fiery Eric, but Eric, uh, I think he turned into Bruce Banner once the once the camera started. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the, the questions were awesome, and, you know, I think the depth of the answers today is probably one of the deepest uh, shows we had. We promised it was going to be fun. Instead of being fun, we went deep. Um, but I still think, you know, incredibly valuable. Uh, so hopefully you guys got uh, a ton of value out of it. And again, you know, we do have our event coming up a month from now. Go to salesdisruptors.com if you want to attend our live in-person two-day trading event.
Awesome, awesome. Hey, Eric, just so that you know, my wife did go ahead and drop in the chat. We do have some towels that are like that, so I just want to let you know I'm on the same fashion train as you, oh, brother. Let go, me go. Go, <laughs> go, go, go ahead. If you go, can go see ahead. the full ensemble, as Leon knows, it's all about tying together with the shoes. And uh, there's a famous movie out there that talks about how you got to coordinate, right? My so, brother Eric is a coordinator, that's for sure. So... Um, you know, just to, to explain myself, um, I've always been a man of the people and a true man of the people knows how to work the crowd. And when I showed up today, it was clear that Hawk Eric, angry Eric was not the vibe. So, you know, I decided to, to, to dial it down a little bit and work the crowd and stay consistent with the vibe today because your tribe is your vibe. And on Thursdays at 2.30 Eastern time, this is my tribe. So, um, anyway, I just appreciate being here. I appreciate all the thought and effort from uh, the listeners and the people that tune into YouTube and Steve and his staff and Potter and everybody else that prepare these questions. Because every time we see that we have a great episode, it always comes back to, um, you know, the, the thoughtfulness that's put into the questions. And then we just get to show up um, and kind of talk smack for an hour. So I just appreciate the opportunity. Love being here and look forward to next week. Ab absolutely man could not have said it better uh by far one of my favorite hour and 10 minutes mainly because nobody's ever on time um leon send us off boss yeah leon g barnes uh, to eric's point appreciate the platform this is fun uh, i love being a part of this tribe there's lots of great information uh, from lots of years of experience that uh, no guru is here on this panel um, much appreciated. Um, I do find it ironic, though, is that I am the one that pushed for a judge, and we do have that judge now, but I'm pretty sure he's drawing straws in the back to see who wins each round. So maybe we can work on that as we continue to move forward. And I'll leave you with that. Yeah, we, can, we can always go back to the old model. Man. We can always Le <laughs> Leon, I apparently did not send you my cash app. Uh, so that you can go ahead and start buying off points. So I'll go ahead and drop that in a separate text to you. No worries. We'll, yeah, Matt, we'll, we'll get you taken care of. Matt's the biggest affiliate I, I visit you. AC, man, and I, I crash at your pad. Um, yes. Give me the brewer towels, baby. I want the, I want the brewer <laughs> Bro, I'm, ta I'm talking so soft, soft, soft. Egyptian cotton. Oh, man. Everybody, thank you for joining us today. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Um, we love spending an hour or two, an hour and ten. Everybody, we'll see you next week. Peace out.